what we want is everyone to feel safe, to be able to learn. Understanding their bodies and understanding how everything works and that they, you know, what their rights are and how to communicate. I'm like, oh, I just, I just think that's so important. Hi, I'm Mary Weiss, and you are entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name's Steve, and this is World Gone Good, the podcast where we look for the light and sometimes shine the light into the darkness to discover, you know what? There's still some good happening on this here floating rock we are all stuck on together. You can help us spread the good all around by not just listening. You can also subscribe on whatever platform you are on right now. Rate and review us there too. And or please, yes, share us with your friends. However and wherever you like to share things with your friends. Most of us, it's social media. Some of us just face to face. Other people just like to randomly, you know, find strangers and tell them things. I don't judge. We appreciate your support. And as always, we say, and we mean it, thank you. Today's show starts with a warning. We are talking about human anatomy and sexuality and all that good stuff. So you may be hearing some terms and some words and some information that might be NSFW. Google it, I-A-Y-K-Y-K, Google that too. But fear not, we are keeping everything in the PG-13 lane right here. And we're not going to veer over into triple X. Not that there's anything wrong with triple X, no judgments. And really, if there's one takeaway from today's show, and I feel like you're going to have a whole lot of takeaways, but if there's one It's this, no judgments. Previously, we've spent time with Wendy Miller from Sex Ed the Musical, the podcast, and gotten our good sex talk on. You can find that show if you search back in our episode guide. And today, ironically, someone who knows Wendy pretty well, me too, is here to continue the sex education conversation. Mary Weiss is an actress, voiceover talent, storyteller, And in her spare time, she's a teacher, teaching teenagers all about their bodies and self-worth. Oh, we are going to have such a fun conversation today. Mary Weiss, when did you first, hello, (laughs) when did you first learn about the birds and the bees? Oh, good Lord. I was just thinking about that, that I don't remember. I'm like, I, I, I don't remember. I remember... Friends of mine, when I was a, a senior in college, like, or senior, not college, uh, high school, my best friend at the time, she was a class valedictorian, so smart. And we were on the, we also played basketball together and we were on the bus and she said something. She didn't flat out say she was sleeping with her boyfriend, but she said something that alluded to it. And I remember internally my head exploding because I just like, I was so kind of behind the curve on that. And I just like my brain, like, you're What? you're doing what? You know, and I had no real concept of really of even what it meant. I'm sure I had to have known what the biology of it was, the anatomy, but really what that meant to me, like, and I don't know whether we had the the talks and the lessons and I just blanked them out, like, or... Right, right. Or that, or we got some weird sanitizer. I remember, I have a vague recollection of like some stupid film that mostly probably talked about our periods. The girls were in one room, the boys were in another. But 
I, I don't remember like a birds and the bees talk. I don't remember one with my parents. I got it from my friends eventually. I eventually got the, the down and dirty from my friends. Yeah, we had the little yellow book. And my mother, who will be listening, is going to clap her hands with glee because this is like a favorite story of hers <laughs> to tell at like, I don't know, maybe my birthday or Thanksgiving or anytime, maybe a bar mitzvah in the family. When you brought she, a like, boyfriend grab- home for the first time. Yeah, or just like any, right, exactly. Anytime to just get in front of a crowd and make me mortified. So we had this thing called the little yellow book. And um, it was like this 1960s book. And it was this little paper book. I remember it. And my mother gave it to me at like 11 or 12. And it was like, and it was sort of like, like thrown at me, like read this. And I was like, okay. And it was chapter by chapter how every animal reproduces. And it like starts with like fish. And then it goes to like chickens. And then it goes to like cows. I got so fucking bored with this book that I'm like, all right, well, I had an assumption that uh, the direction that one applied oneself to make a child was different than these, you know, animals and humans. And I gave up. I didn't read till the end. <laughs> so then I don't remember who somebody came up to me in the family and said, who, you know, did you, do you have any questions? I'm like, no. And I said, it's a little different than I thought because the man stands behind the woman. <laughs> And yeah, and then everyone to this day, oh my God. And my mother screamed at the top of her lungs. See, now she thinks she screamed it really funny. Like, haha, it was a joke. But then she was screaming it in rage. She's like, it's not, you're not a chicken. You're not a chicken. <laughs> so um, now you grew up Catholic. I did. I did. Are there any, um, I don't know, um, <laughs> issues with talking about Reproduction as a Catholic person? <sighs> it was a heavy sight, wasn't it? Heavy sight. Oh, geez, <laughs> please. So there's five of us. We were just talking before about, you know, there's five of us. And I really think, and we, my older siblings, uh, nine years, eight years, and seven, and five years older. And I swear to God, my parents just, they got to my younger brother and I, and they're like, oh, we're tired. We can't, you know. And so I think just a lot of things fell to the wayside. I remember my parents would, I love hindsight. My parents uh, would like push my brother and I out the door to go to mass on the morning, you know, because we could walk to the church uh, to go to mass and they'd stay home. And it always felt so unfair. I'm like, why did they get to stay home? And it only was as an adult that I realized why, because that's when they had some alone time. <laughs> I, I I absolutely know that's what it was. You know, I don't know that it came from my mom, it, like necessarily a guilt thing. It, I I don't believe that's what it was, but it definitely came from the messaging I got in church. Just, you know, you, you can't go to, you know, I did Catholic school for four years. I was in, you know, I was around the church, you know, all through high school. I played guitar masses for God's sake. I did. I stood up in front with my guitar at 930 on Sunday mornings and sang John Denver songs. <laughs> did you go to CCD? I did. But to me, CCD was basically, we heard the same three or four stories, you know, the fish and the loaves, and we made banners we, with with like glue and felt that got put up in the church. That I feel like that's what we did. <laughs> like we didn't do any real Bible study that I recall. I can't think of a specific, but I know that it was there, that that sense of uh, of guilt. As I was in high school, I hated going to confession. Because, of course, my mom was very active in the church. She was very active. She didn't go to mass maybe as much, but she was very active, like, raising money for the church. She she created this thing called Night Train. They would convert um, the school, 
like these different classrooms into like little mini nightclubs. And people would pay uh, to come in and there was like, uh, there were some little restaurants. So people would, you know, Father O'Brien did the Mexican restaurant. (laughs) Sometimes in the gym, they would do like a, she'd take a musical and she'd butcher it and do like a 45 minute version of it. And they would raise tens of thousands of dollars for the church. Hold on a second. If there was a murder, this would be an episode of Heart to Heart. (laughs) This is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. When you said she did, she organized a night train, I was thinking, oh, like on a like a like a like a train track. But then I was thinking, oh, a night train, like a night training, like they were training something. This is just like Catholics going crazy. This is like Catholics in the wild. Well, other school, yes, other other <laughs> other schools kind of did it, but they called them different things, like Portocol or whatever. ours was like the night train because they could say night train to New Orleans and it would have a New Orleans theme. Oh, okay, okay. Or it could say night train to San Francisco and it would have a San Francisco theme or something like that. Where in the world are we when we, we were talking? Where'd you grow up? Uh, Chicago. So I grew up north of Chicago uh, in a picturesque little town uh, named Wakanda. I think we mentioned that before because yes. the movie came, you know, Black Panther came out and suddenly, you know, nobody had ever heard of Wakanda. And it's the only Wakanda. I know, like you like do other towns have it. As far as I know, watch people, you know, all of those listeners will be listening. Go, wait a second. I know a Wakanda in Iowa. <laughs> so I was around the church a lot and I used to hate to go into the confessional because the priests knew me. There were only three priests. And I just, part of me is like, I can't tell him things that I might be doing. Like, I think I imposed my own sense of not doing stuff because I didn't want to go in and like have Father O'Brien go, Mary, what did you do? You know, like, of course she was going to know who I was. I, I just, that did not jive with me. And I think part of me just like, sort of like, no, don't do anything, you know, really horrible or whatever. So... (laughs) So on this wonderful topic of <laughs> sex education and our own personal histories, you <laughs> you have elevated, you've gone to the next level in the good that you're doing, which is one of the main reasons why I asked you to come on and join me and, and talk about it. You are a volunteer sex educational professional? Oh, no, I just say, I just say uh, sex ed uh, facilitator. How's that? Oh, fancy. Sex ed facilitator. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it. It's like, you know, we teach what we most need to learn. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, didn't Woody Allen say those who cannot do teach? So what does that say? (laughs) That might actually apply more uh, to me at the moment. (laughs) I was talking to a friend who uh, has been doing uh, this kind of teaching for years as, as a volunteer. And it just, everything in my internal system like you know if i was a computer everything would go would light up and just go ding 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 ding. i mean it was just the perfect thing because i've always as we said earlier i do a lot of i've done a lot of different kinds of volunteering i've taught before i love to teach it's really fun to teach when when there's no stakes and also when you're not like in the school you know sometimes when you're in the college system there's all these hoops to jump through but when you're a volunteer it's not that you don't have parameters because there are, but at the same time, there's kind of a freedom to like, you know, you don't have to, I'm not worried about losing a job. I'm actually doing right. it because I love to do it, you know, and right. that's a whole different kind of teaching, right? Totally. Yeah. So uh, this friend of mine told me about it and I just was like, oh my God, everything went off and I immediately started the process of, of uh, 
what I needed to do, which was to get fully trained. Uh, you know, there, there, I mean, this is a really important topic and, uh, you are dealing with, uh, young people, you know, teens. So, you know, there's a lot of regulation and so it's all fully, you know, like, what do we call it? Not vetted, but yeah, we are vetted. Yeah. And then like five days of training and, you know, and, and I just, I'm the perpetual student. So I just loved it. Uh, two things. Cause number one, there were things I didn't know about how our bodies work. I was going to ask you. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. There's things I didn't know about, but part of that is because, you know, number two, they finally figured some things out that they didn't know back when we were learning this stuff, Steve. Right, right, <laughs> right. Totally. And the access is more there. Right. And we're also, it seems like, you know, everything is at your fingertips with your phone um, makes it a little more uh, communicative and open. What is the word I'm looking for? Do you know what I mean? Because it's not, it's not like you're going to some dusty old library and pulling out some old ancient book. (laughs) It's not taboo. It's not like you're surreptitiously like, you know, I remember um, someone in my 20s gave me, uh, oh, the name of the book's going to go right out of my head. The Joy of Sex. No, not Joy of Sex with those. Oh, my God. Have you ever seen the illustration yes. of the Joy of Sex? It's like yes. the hairiest man on the planet. Like, <laughs> that might be the woman. I don't know. <laughs> no, now I have to. Oh, our our bodies ourselves. Our bodies ourselves. Yeah. It's an amazing book, which, again, I think by the time I got it, part of me was like, could I have not gotten this sooner? Because it would have really explained a lot. And a lot of that is because it's so much of it is taboo or so afraid to ask these questions. I still remember the first time. This is such a specific moment for me. I was um, I was in Chicago with friends and we were uh, there's there's places along the lakefront where you can like picnic and you can see the massive fireworks that come off of Navy Pier. And I was with a, a close friend of mine at the time. And, you know, I'm I'm late 20s coming on 30 and she starts talking about masturbating. And I'm like, you know, not that I hadn't, but like talking about it. and. She like just flat out asked and she was shocked I'd never had a vibrator. And to talk about that so open like I, I'm in my twenties. Well, also I just imagine you looking left, looking right. Like, is anyone listening? <laughs> exactly. Well, guess what my next birthday present was? Well, I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. We nicknamed him Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> so this education stuff though you're doing, you are working with today's teenagers. And today's teenagers are post-millennial, scary kids that we have to say that. They're not even considered millennial anymore because, you know, they're born in 2005, 2006, 2007. Yeah. Crazy. How do you relate as a teacher to them? Oh, interesting. Thank you. What an interesting question. Well, thank you so much. (laughs) What I really loved about uh, the training as well is also teaching an inclusivity. Like we're all used to saying, Hey, you guys. And like, Nope, let's find a more neutral language. I think one of the biggest lessons is always go back to the science. So when like the younger, if they're on the younger side, they will sometimes try to shock you or something. And you, you know, you just, you're not, you don't react to that. You're just like, you go back to the science. Someone says, you know, has a word for the word, you know, penis, all the different words. Um, and you're like, that's penis. I actually had a class once where 
Um, we have sometimes sections where they can send up little pieces of paper with anonymous questions. And there was a phrase I didn't know. And I just said it. I'm like, someone said, what is this? And I went, that is a great question. I don't know. Does anybody here know what that is? And like, I asked them, like, you don't, you don't come in like luxury and I have all the answers. It's very inclusive. You ask questions, you you engage, you try to engage. They're, the hardest classes are the ones where they're not engaged. And it could be any number of reasons. Like, God forbid you get the 8 o'clock a.m. class. Oh, my God. They're not even awake. They're learning sex ed from grandma. <laughs> I, you know, I acknowledge that so I don't try to be cool. I even acknowledge that I'm not so cool. And I, you know, sometimes I even, you know, will acknowledge that, you know, I share that I think this stuff is fascinating and that, you know, science has come such a long way and that I've learned things that, that, you know, we didn't know back in the day, which sometimes, you know, you're looking for things that'll maybe hook them in. It's not so much about just giving them science. It's really about opening up the conversation to be able to talk about these things, all aspects of not just sex, sex education, but relationships like really unpacking what consent means, uh, teaching like like gender expectations and the roles that we fall into. The thing that's so amazing about today's kids is how open that conversation is and how, you know, like they do get what some gender expectations are out there, but they also get that, you know, what's the big deal? You know, they're a bit more love is love automatically. But regardless, at that age, you're all uncomfortable. We're all uncomfortable with our bodies. So it's also about trying to, like, be okay with understanding your body and uh, communicating that, finding someone, you know, finding uh, advocates, finding resources so that no one feels isolated when they're having that, you know, those first experiences you know, whatever that might be. And it can be good. It could be bad. It's also teaching like how to recognize when someone's in a relationship that's abusive and that abuse could just be, you know, constant ridicule. You know, I mean, I, I think, God, I think about growing up in the seventies, hello grandma, and how much I internalized and normalized the absolute misogyny of language that was thrown at me. Just the things that were said to minimize your experience as a woman. And it was all part of, you know, we still kind of hear it. Oh, it's just boys being boys. It's locker room talk. It's like, you know what? No, it's not because it shuts you down. Right. It makes you ashamed of things that are perfectly normal. And why are you so much greater just because you have a penis? Well, let me explain. <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> yeah, could you? <laughs> Let me go back to something you said that just made me laugh, though, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a very random way. It's like when you were talking about being comfortable with your body. I mean, like the good news that you that I could tell them, I'm sure you could tell them, I'm sure anyone listening could probably relate to this, is we can tell any teenager, you're never going to be comfortable in your body. No. You're never going. <laughs> I, I scared them like that, Steve. You know, somebody, I was at a, a, a diner like a long time ago in North Hollywood with a whole group of gay boy friends. And we were all going to go see some some show after it in, in somewhere, some little theater that our friend was doing. And it had to be like a Saturday night because all these really young kids were coming in. It clearly was junior prom, not even senior prom. And they the girls were like decked out. The guys, the little boys were in all their like oversized 
tuxedos that were like a little too big on them. And I just real like looking at all of them, like they were all so tiny, but the whole place was packed with them and like our table. And we're all sitting there and Dennis Hensley, I am saying his last name, a friend of mine, Dennis <laughs> Hensley turns and just says quietly to the table, Hey guys. And he ushers us all in and we all lean in. He goes, should we tell them? Nah, they'll find out. <laughs> and we all started laughing because the answer to that could be anything. <laughs> ah, that is so true. Do you have a, a favorite subject that you get to teach? Is it broken up into subjects or is there like a progressive lesson plan? It's um it's a series of classes and it is broken up into different uh topics, you know, like anatomy and birth control. It's funny when it when we when I first started teaching, I liked the hard sciences. I liked the uh, anatomy and the birth control, and I still do because there's less room for uh, crazy questions. Well, that's the way I think there's less room for crazy questions, but like, and always go back to the hard science. It's also a lot of information, so the class tends to get filled up. Um, some of the other classes to me were a little more difficult. It was about relationships, or it's about gender identity, and that's or not gender identity, but just gender. Um, because it's and that's that covers everything from gender identity, sexual orientation, but also body image, self-esteem, how to communicate, you know, good kinds of communication, all that kind of stuff, which really in some ways is the most important because anatomy, they're probably going to hear most of that in a biology class and they can find that. But the nuances of like gender and relationship, I've come to really enjoy those more, but those were a little more difficult because, you know, when you're, you know, we've been online uh, this last year, but when you're in the classroom and you, you know, it's a little bit more interactive. And so again, you get that eight o'clock class and you're like, what do you think is the best way to communicate this particular thing? And it's like crickets and you, you don't want to jump in and answer it. You want to engage them and get them to, to offer it, you know? So that to me was one of the more uh, difficult ones, but I've actually come to enjoy it because I've actually learned the most from teaching those. So how are you scheduled to do this? Is it like a bat signal? Is there like a giant <laughs> vagina that goes in the sky? <laughs> that would be so great if it was a giant vagina because so many people would be like, what is that? And so people are like, oh, I know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I had a student once. So we have, you know, we have diagrams and stuff. And I was doing anatomy one day. And of course, the diagram of the female internal anatomy is it's blown up so they can actually see what the fallopian tubes uh, look like. But <laughs> and one student went, is it that big? <laughs> it's like, no, yes. honey, it's just. Yes, it's, I keep mine in my locker outside, <laughs> Timmy. <laughs> it couldn't be more convenient is, is the, the, the classes are scheduled. Uh, there's a, an online and also we have an app. And basically the classes are all put up and then we pick which classes we want to, uh, to do and we sign up. It really, it's really a privilege. It's just, it's just such a privilege to do it, you know? And I just, again, as we said many times, it's just too important. A lot of times they have a lot of this information, but as I've said, I'm like, I know some, sometimes if I'm teaching slightly older teens, it'll be like, look, I know you've probably heard this, but Hey, hearing it again, never a bad idea. And maybe there's a little something new because the science is changing all the time. So maybe there's some new information here that you didn't know. So let's see if we can learn something, you know, like I'll throw things out like that. I don't want to just assume, you know, I'm coming in all knowing. It's like, no, I mean, 
like I said, they throw phrases out sometimes where it's like, what? <laughs> like, that's a new one. So here's the most important question I'm going to ask you of the day. It's going to be the final question. Yep, here it comes. How would 14, 13, 15-year-old Mary have reacted to this Mary type person coming in to teach her about sex education? Oh my God, she would have been mortified. She would have like sat in the back uh, trying to be invisible, but furiously taking notes. (laughs) Furiously taking notes, maybe even diagrams. Seriously, I had, I would, I, oh my God, I was so uncomfortable with the topic of sex. That's why this is, you know, you're like, it just, there is, is this the definition of irony? Like just being like such a slow bloomer and so afraid of sex and, and like not almost like, la, 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 la. Now, um, if for those who can't picture, I have my fingers in my ears going, la, 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 I can't hear you about the topic of sex. And yet here I am, you know, I, I wish, <sighs> I'm going to amend that statement only in that if it had been this program with someone coming in, let's even, you know, me with this kind of inclusivity, um, I might've been more engaged and maybe more open. Uh, I think the difficult part for me is when you say 14, you know, 13 year old Mary, I go back to the seventies when this stuff wasn't talked about. Right. Right. So it's hard for me almost to make the, you know, like let's, like fantasy world, you know, you're in a bubble now and we can talk about anything. Um, I do think I would have been fascinated because I am the perpetual student and and just love learning things. And this was a topic I didn't understand. Like I said, I would be furiously taking notes. <laughs> we end these shows with three super easy questions. The first one, <laughs> you know, by heart, which is where can people find you? Where can people follow you online to find out more of your artistic side? <laughs> Well, I do have a website, maryweiss.com, and it's Mary with an I, but um, it's that's really just kind of voiceover stuff. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm not a huge one for uh, the, the social medias. I'm on Facebook under Mary Weiss, and I'm on the, the Insta with, uh, I think it's Maritsky22, Maritsky W20. I've even forgotten, um, but you're going to see mostly cat pictures, so I just want you to know. Uh, It's mostly cat photos. Our last two questions can reflect back to anything you already have. We've already talked about or anything you want to say. Question number one, who inspires you? Well, the first person I think of is my mom. She really was the inspiration for me to do, uh, to volunteer, um, to, to be the bigger person. My mom just, she had such a big heart and, Sorry, I just, you know, I miss her. She's been gone like 12 years now. But she just had such a big heart. You know, we were the house that that kids, my friends just walked in and sat, you know, went to the fridge, got something to drink and sat down with my mom. You know, uh, there was a generosity there and that inspired me. I really believe, you know, all five of my siblings, we all get along. We have different, you know, things, different political and economic, whatever. Um, but we, no matter what, we can all hang out and laugh 
and are there for each other. And I re- re- we all know that that came from our mom. And also, Steve, you inspire me. No, oh, you kids who come on this show and tell me that I inspire you. Come on. You do. I'm going to Venmo you the money. Thank Don't you. worry. I appreciate that. Yeah. And the final question, which you know because you listen to the show, tell me something good. Something good. I, I really – there's light. There's light at the end of this tunnel. I really – you know, I have noticed just a lifting of uh, this oppressive energy that's come from a lot of different places – and for myself, I've noticed that I am so much more right now in the absolute, like just, I'm in this moment of it's going to be what it's going to be and it's going to be okay. Someone said to me the other day that I really loved, you know, we're talking about like new normal, you know, when are things going to get back to normal? It's like, well, I don't know that everything's going to be normal. It's a new normal. That's the word I've been hearing. And my friend said a better normal. How about a better normal? And I loved that, this idea of a better normal. And I don't feel like that's Pollyanna. I just feel like it's, I think our eyes have been opened in a lot of ways in this last year, maybe even these last four years for a lot of different reasons. Um, You know, this pandemic has shown us really, truly what is the gaping holes in our society. And so... I just like feel a sense of uh, the word is grace. I feel a grace about what the future holds and that we're all going to be okay. I love that. That grace just feels so good right now. Cause I, you know, we've all been in a lot of fear and panic and there just feels like there's a grace, the grace that comes also with that this last year has taught us about what's important and what's really been important has been, friends. It's been connecting to you. It's been, you know, there's been a simplicity of our lives and distilling it down to what are the most important things. That's where the better normal is, a better normal. Thank you, Mary, for sharing your good for the second time with me. You're a repeat good customer and good friend. Next time on World Gone Good. I would just love people to to see the simplicity in veganism. Um, I'm living plant-based. My life changed eight years ago uh, on the spot, and I've never gone back. Caroline Simpson joins me to talk the good talk of going vegan and how it benefits the planet and the animals and you and your own health. We're going to chat it up about how she can turn any recipe vegan. The good and the bad of eating eggs. My beloved eggs. You know how much I love my eggs. And meatless Mondays. What could be bad about a meatless Mondays? That's what you're asking, right? Trust me, you're going to find out because she ain't shy and neither am I. So you're going to get some really good truths. And on top of all this goodness... Caroline is my second ever international guest, but don't let that Irish twang of hers fool ya. She actually resides down under in one of my favorite countries. That's right, Australia. I hope you'll join me for our globally good conversation. Until then, be good. <laughs>